Chapter Twenty One of the Yellow Dove by George Gibbs. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Tony Oliva. Hare and Hounds. For two hours or more, Hammersley and the girl, taking turn and turn, watched the road and forest from the amphitheater of rocks. The road in times of peace was a short route from Windenberg to Schöndorf, and popular with the market folk. But the restrictions put upon visits to Blaufelden had resulted in the diversion of traffic from the south slope of the mountains to the longer road in the valley upon the other side. The few who appeared were men in uniform. From his lofty perch, Hammersley espied Captain Vents as he hurried by with several men in an automobile. Just beyond the crag, the automobile was stopped and the men dismounted and went on afoot. Clearly they meant to continue the search abroad. Hammersley chuckled. Hare and hounds, he muttered to himself. The more men to the eastward, the fewer to the west. By Jove! The expletive was not unusual with Hammersley, but the manner of its utterance gave it importance. He crossed the level quickly and peered again at the vanishing figures of the men. A new idea had been born. Hare and hounds. A game he had played at Eton. A game as old as sport, as old as hunting, and for such a prize. He hurried into the cave, glancing hurriedly at his watch. It was noon. Doris sat upon the stool near Udo von Winden. Hammersley went over to their captive and examined his bonds, and then gave the girl a few hasty instructions. I am going down below to be gone two, perhaps three hours. A quick intake of the breath escaped her, but she caught her under lip in her teeth and said nothing. Don't worry, he went on cheerfully. I'm coming back, I'll promise you that. I've got a plan, he whispered, a new plan. A noble plan, a plan that will make our game an easy one. It will be harder for you than for me, Doris, because you've only got to sit and wait and try to be patient. While he was talking, he had taken off the belts that contained the two pistols, fastening one around Doris. Then he took off his leather jacket and put it on the table fastening the other belt containing Udo's cartridges and automatic over his gray sweater. She watched him timidly. But suppose Graf von Winden should get his arms free, she protested. I cannot shoot him, Cyril. I cannot. Not that. He won't trouble you. I'll arrange that. He took from his coat pocket the documents captured from the Emperor's messenger and held them up so that Udo von Winden could see them. I must leave you for a while, Udo. Awfully sorry, but it's most urgent. He laughed. You won't mind, will you? Or try to make things difficult? He turned quickly, and while both the girl and the prisoner wondered what he was about to do, he went to the tin box in the corner, brought out a new candle, lighted it, and held the papers so that the prisoner could see them. Do you observe what I'm doing, Udo? Miss Mather will sit here upon the opposite side of the cave. If you attempt to get up from your bed, she will burn the papers. Simple, isn't it? 
also quite effective she doesn't want to shoot you udo nor do i and of course if the papers were burned it wouldn't hurt england a great deal as long as the papers are in germany my capture may throw them into german hands nicht wahr udo von winden's head moved slightly from left to right with an auf wiedersehen thrown over his shoulder at udo hammersley went outside the cave where doris followed him she was on the point of tears but she succeeded in a smile don't worry doris old girl just going down for a stroll about but why cyril going to throw em off the scent he whispered but they're already off the scent for answer he kissed her gently and bade her keep up her courage then he gave her the papers saw her inside the cave again and in a moment was gone the more hammersley thought of his plan the better it seemed to him the day was still young in three hours he could do much he crossed the amphitheatre of rocks and followed the rocky gorge by which he had entered last night and when he emerged upon the farther side paused and watched for a while to be sure that Vents and his men were not in sight and then descended the face of the rocks skillfully and in a moment was creeping on all fours through the underbrush up the side of the mountain it was steep here and rugged but in a while he reached the old deer trail over which he had passed when he had doubled on his pursuers last night but instead of following it he halted a moment to listen and then crossed into the undergrowth which at this point was so thick that at twenty paces even he was not visible he slipped among the tree trunks and evergreens moving rapidly making a wide circle up the mountainside almost to its top descending then by easy stages until he had covered four miles at least when he bore slowly down toward the schoendorf road hare and hounds an exciting game even in the old days when it meant athletic honors but now with the alternatives of death as the penalty of capture and a great triumph as the reward of escape it made his blood run madly a good game a fair game with success as the reward of intelligence he planned carefully he must be sure to come down into the open at a spot beyond where vents and his men were searching he knew the country well there was a village on the hillside half a mile below it was midway between schoendorf and the farmhouse at blaufelden the families of some of the foresters lived there and there was telephonic connection both with the farm and windenberg all of the men of mittelwald who were not in the forest service were off at the front and the chances were that unless wentz and his men were there hammersley would see only women and children but he knew that von stromberg had neglected nothing that would give an inkling of his whereabouts and his presence would be at once reported and the chase begin he was in excellent condition trained a little too fine perhaps for an englishman but fit he had done little running since leaving the university and 
though he had lost some of his old speed he could rely upon the thought of his danger and doris's to provide the incentive for extraordinary effort mittelwald lay in a clearing similar to that at blaufelden and its farms if farms they could be called clambered up the hillside and straggled over beyond the road where they were merged into the undergrowth of young oaks the schoendorf road curving this way and that passed between the houses which were set at irregular intervals like the strips on the tail of a kite he went on through the underbrush coming out into the open upon the road at the point where it entered the woods upon the schoendorf side then he settled his automatic loosely in its sheath and went forward boldly his eye had marked the line of the telephone wire and followed it to the gable of one of the largest houses in the village it was to this house that he made his way a young woman was working in the garden and he approached her quietly and politely but with an air of a man not to be trifled with asked for food he was aware that he was unshorn covered with mud and that his face was streaked with dirt and perspiration but he knew that his appearance alone could not have accounted for the sudden blanching of the woman's face and the air of alarm with which she regarded him she straightened and fell back two or three paces toward the house unable to speak a word in reply so he repeated his request while her mouth gaped at him and her eyes grew rounder at last she managed to stammer food you are hungry yes potato bread anything but quickly i will go with you to the house and he indicated the way she stumbled on before him her head jerking anxiously this way and that over her shoulder as though she feared at any moment to receive a blow or a shot in the back but he followed her indoors and noted with satisfaction that she appeared after all to be a woman of some intelligence a thing that pleased him further was the telephone instrument in the corner milk if you please and quickly i will take the bread with me and while she timorously brought them out who lives here first habermill where is he peremptorily at windenberg oh there are no men here no that is well then he drank a glass of milk greedily and tore off a piece of the loaf you are a good girl heaven will reward you he made his way to the door looking out cautiously and then turned and put his hand in his pocket bringing out a piece of money see he laughed i have concluded to reward you myself cash much better than hopes nikvar she fetched a timorous smile and bobbed shyly you will do me a favor he said in a whisper as he went out of the door if you will tell no one of my visit and with that chuckling to himself went down the road again in the direction of schoendorf watching the turn in the road below the village for a glimpse of wentz and his men before he reached the edge of the open country he paused and listened 
from the house that he had visited came the faint tinkle of a bell frau habermel had lost no time she had notified the master of the hounds who was clamoring for the scent hammersley walked around the turn in the road which hid him from the house and then went into the bushes where he sat on a fallen log peeping through the leaves toward the further side of the clearing where general von stromberg's men must appear he did not know how long he would have to wait half an hour perhaps longer if he knew anything of von stromberg they would come in every sort of available vehicle from a high-powered machine to a donkey cart picking up the misguided vents and his men upon the way to follow this new scent it was difficult to sit still and wait hammersley wanted to smoke awfully but he chewed a twig instead for he needed to keep his wind in good condition and had purposely left his pipe at the thorvald he did not want to get too far away from doris by the way he intended to return he was now at least six miles from the cavern and with the mile or so he must go toward schoendorf before he turned a good eight miles of rough going lay between himself and safety under other circumstances he would have greatly enjoyed the chance for a rest with a cooler wind from the northeast the weather had cleared and the period of higher temperatures through which they had passed seemed to be drawing to a close in spite of the doubts that hung about his plan he couldn't help saying to himself that he felt jolly fit twenty minutes twenty-five he got up and stretched his long limbs luxuriously the hare was ready it was time they cast forward the hounds a peep through the bushes showed him frau habermel standing near her home watching the road to windenberg so he came out of his place of concealment and stood in the open again until he was sure that she saw him when he turned and went slowly toward schoendorf he had planned his moment nicely for before he was out of sight of the clearing an automobile came into view paused a moment before frau habermel and then came on rapidly hammersley waited until they had viewed him and then cut into the woods to his left slipping from tree to tree not fifty yards in the cover when the machine came to a stop and the men jumped down and came after him he did not know who was in command and did not care but just to show them that he was the man they were after he risked a shot with his automatic and then sped along rapidly working up the mountainside following in a general way the direction of schoendorf he heard them plunging after him in full cry and the sound of their footsteps made him move at a rare pace he knew well this piece of woods and in a moment came to a path which curved to the right leading straight up the mountain when he reached it he paused to look over his shoulder it was difficult to see the green uniforms but there was a flash of light from a patch of fir trees and a twig just above his head 
fell across his path his curiosity was satisfied he shut his mouth and breathing through his nostrils went off with a burst of speed which put him around a turn in the path before any of the green uniforms had come into sight he had them coming now two three men one little one and two big ones he caught a glimpse of them in a moment when the path came into a glade of rocks and barrens there was his danger a chance shot might get him when they emerged before he found the cover again but leaping from rock to rock he managed to reach the path upon the other side and their shots went wild when he reached cover he halted a moment for a breath firing a shot in the direction of the advancing men who promptly dropped to cover and when they came on again he had gained a clear lead of a hundred yards or more he had foreseen his greatest danger of being caught in thick underbrush and surrounded so he kept to the main path only leaving it for a smaller and more tortuous one when the other turned down the mountain toward the road again since the exchange of shots his pursuers had become more cautious and when they reached the fork of the paths they stopped sweating in their heavy coats and cursing lustily while they debated upon the question as to which path he had taken the hounds were at fault from a point above he could see them quite clearly and one of them was the fatalist who had been his jailer last evening just to discover whether he was sincere in his philosophy hammersley sent a bullet skipping above his head he ducked and hammersley laughed silly ass he muttered fatalist fatality if it aimed at him and he was off again for other men had joined the leaders and the scent was hot he carried them fast up to the bald top of the mountain where the going was faster and down in the valley to the right they had gained nothing on him and hammersley with his second wind was breathing more easily but it was almost time to double here was as good a place as another for the pack of them to spend the afternoon and he made up his mind to lose them without further ado there was only one runner in the lot and he was the fatalist though how he had ever happened to learn to run in the imperial navy hammersley had not the time or inclination to decide if his philosophy limped his legs at least were strong and he came on rapidly leaping like a young buck toward the opening over the crest of the knob into which hammersley had disappeared a short way down was a spur of rock the beginnings of a ridge which cut out into the hills the watershed of two rills which leaped from rock to rock to the valleys below hammersley chose the right-hand valley for the going was better and went down it at top speed for a quarter of a mile or more pausing where the path led into the underbrush and pines until the fatalist should view him when he disappeared and then turning into the thicket circled quickly to the left 
and taking advantage of every cover slowly and carefully climbed the ridge to a place of vantage where he crouched and waited to have the satisfaction a moment later of seeing his ex-jailer weapon in hand go plunging down the path past his place of concealment hammersley listened a moment to the sounds of crashing feet in front of him and behind and then creeping slowly and making what speed he could crossed the ridge and in a while was out of sight and hearing of them he feared little in crossing the other valley for his pursuers were strung out in a line each in sight of the other and would follow the leader like a flock of sheep but there was little time to waste and the greatest test of hammersley's endurance and doris's was to come for two perhaps three hours these men would search for him and more would come the fatalist would bear the brunt of their failure but in the meanwhile hammersley must reach the cave in the thorvald and take doris to blaufelden the first part of the return run must be done at top speed to save time which would be needed later so when he crossed the second valley in safety and had reached the mountain top hammersley abandoned all caution risking the chance of meeting vince and his men and with a sharp lookout ahead of him went as fast as he could along the ridge finding at last the trail by which he had come earlier in the day down which he ran with a long stride which covered the four miles in less than half an hour he reached the upper passage to the cave in safety and in a moment was safe behind the projecting boulders of the amphitheater he was breathing heavily and the sweat was pouring from him doris was watching for him they're following you they're coming she asked nervously he quieted her and led her inside the cave where he dropped for a moment of rest upon the stool doris watched him anxiously in a moment he was laughing oh i let him a ripping run straight for schoendorf he gasped they're patting me out six miles from here on the top of the schmaltzberg lord he grinned but that was a breather she brought him the pitcher of water but he only rinsed his mouth how are you feeling fit she nodded righto come along we're off he went over to the prisoner and examined his bonds carefully poor old udo he muttered in german i've got to go you might worry through those strings it's the only way because i'm not leaving any matches he leaned over and patted his cousin on the shoulder good-bye udo he said we'll meet again some day as friends my cousin as friends von winden's eyes met hammersley's and then he lowered his head upon the balsam boughs there was no time for amenities hammersley slipped on his leather jacket and cap fastened his belt outside reloaded his automatic filled the pockets of doris's coat with biscuit and chocolate then made a bundle of the tools and spare parts which he selected carefully and in a moment he and doris were outside on the ridge peering over toward the road below all was quiet and they descended carefully 
to the projecting rock pausing there to listen again the machine of vents which had been left near the crag had gone on toward mittelwald hammersley smiled the plan had worked it was working they must succeed down in the bushes at the foot of the crag by the road they paused again listening and then hammersley went forward peering out up and down the road silence solitude leading the way with the hand of the girl in his he quickly crossed and plunged into the undergrowth silently until they had reached a distance which would defy detection from the road then hammersley bore to the right and went on rapidly doris's heart was beating high with excitement and hope the yellow dove could they reach the hangars safely and when there could they tune up undetected the success of the venture seemed impossible for there must still be men on guard at blaufelden someone but as they went on through the wood she found some of the contagion of cyril's audacity he seemed tireless when they reached a trail which led in the desired direction without speaking to her he set forward into a steady jog trot which put them well upon their way he turned around from time to time and watched her and when he saw that she was nearly blown he slowed down to a walk and explained his plan jolly flying weather this once we're in the air they can't stop us doris she's armored around the cockpit and engines and they haven't anything heavier than a rifle at blaufelden we'll go up the rhine to the sea flying high then cut to the left along the coast as far as the french line and then go into ypres from there to general french's headquarters you can easily tell by the lines of trenches i want you to listen carefully i've got two seats and double control the arrangement is just the same as on your newport only she answers her control much more slowly the wheel is on a universal joint the gas on your wheel the spark to your left the magneto a button in front of you she starts by compressed air but the exhaust cyril she gasped before we go it's only a few hundred yards from the shed to the house we're going to risk that with luck we'll be moving in three minutes and then he paused grimly and then i'd like to see a dozen stop us he had such perfect assurance that all doubt left her indeed to doris he seemed endowed with some hidden fount of initiative and inspiration and she was willing to believe anything he told her they went on rapidly while he answered all her questions and gave her final instructions until at last they reached a path the same he told her by which they had come from the farm last night they started up a frightened deer which fled away from them but they didn't pause until the path cut sharply to the right and through the bushes they could see the buildings of blaufelden 
there they stopped and hammersley went forward to investigate in the direction of the farmhouse was no sign of animation except the thread of smoke that rose from the kitchen chimney the back of the hangar was just in front of them a bare wall of wood a hundred and fifty feet long the opening was upon the other side to the west a huge canvas flap toggled at the bottom to rings in the sill hammersley came back and whispered to doris to follow him until the starting of the engine this was the most hazardous part of the proceeding for if they were seen from the house there would be no time for hammersley to put the engines in order he led her south to a point in the woods where the storehouse hid them from the main buildings when crouching low to avoid possible detection from the windenberg road they covered the fifty yards to the storehouse and waited again completely hidden from all points except the forest behind them while cyril looked around the edge of the building and then beckoned her to follow in a moment they had slipped between the end of the canvas flap and the door and were within the dusky interior of the shed before them stretched the wide expanse of the yellow dove a huge biplane with a spread as nearly as doris could figure it of a hundred and twenty feet from tip to tip she stood before it in wonder and awe admiring its fine lines and sturdy appearance a dragonfly her newport was beside this great eagle of the air the other machine an etrich monoplane which was used by udo von winden seemed lost in the shadows of the larger wings doris stood quite still as cyril had directed while he moved off noiselessly in the dim light she saw him slipping from one spot to another quickly examining this and that and at last saw him climb up into the machine with his kit of tools she came nearer as he whispered down to her they've taken out some plugs i'll have em in shortly and then go around the lower plane and tell me if the guys are all taut she did as he asked while she heard him above working over the engines how long will it take she whispered i can't tell twenty minutes perhaps the petrol tanks are empty too i want to help are the wires all fast yes good then bring me the hose from the petrol tank it's there beside you in the corner you can run it in while i'm working she did as she was bid climbing up with a feeling of exultation into the tall machine beside him the reserve tank first he whispered up here between the planes here's a wrench the opening is on the top they worked side by side noiselessly and efficiently hammersley fitting the missing spark plugs and connecting a new coil wire which had been removed he looked over the machine carefully but could find nothing else missing or even needing adjustment for he had taken care yesterday morning as was his custom to go over the engine with his own hands 
the impairment of the engine was of no serious consequence and intended only to delay von stromberg had not counted on such a chance for readjustment as this or upon hammersley's reserve supply of necessary material and unless they had done something else that he could not discover but what while he worked hammersley tried to think casting between times anxious glances at the gears the propellers and the control wires the reserve tank of petrol was filled and the hose was steadily pouring the stuff into the one under the forward cockpit which was full by the time the plugs and wires were all adjusted that will be enough doris he whispered we only need to get to the english lines there's no time for more she saw him try the wheel watching the connecting gear keenly and when he ordered it she climbed down into the rear seat he gave her a leather coat gloves and helmet and buckled her into her seat then in a state of nervous tension they waited she saw cyril climb down coolly wiping his hands with a piece of waste restore the hose to its place and then peer out from a slit in the canvas door then he bent over and running quickly along the flap from side to side one after another quickly unfastened the toggles which held it in place we've got to chance it now he whispered up to her if she doesn't work god help us but the canvas the machine will he stopped abruptly for doris's eyes were staring in panic at something behind him hammersley whirled quickly toward the slit in the canvas his automatic in his hand there not four paces away blinking into the dusk stood the tall figure of his excellency general graf von stromberg end of chapter twenty one